0: to your hosts of down the garden path Joanne Shaw and Matthew dressing
1: welcome everyone to down the garden path where we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host, Matthew Dressing.
0: Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it is important and possible to have great gardens which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen.
1: That's right. Tonight on the show, we wrap up our back to the basics month as we dip, as we, oh my goodness, not, there's too many we's in there. As oh. we dig deep into veggies with our returning guest, Julia DeMacos. Want to join the conversation or have a question for Julia about your vegetable garden? Send your questions to instudio101 at gmail.com.
0: That's right. And uh, just before Julia joins us on the show, perhaps uh, this is the first time you're hearing Julia on the show, uh, as we did have her back uh, again in February. So there's Mm -hmm. definitely a past podcast to check out. But a little bit about Julia. Julia started growing food after having children and fell in love with it. Uh, She gardens organically and tries to keep things simple while growing new and uncommon vegetables each year. Her garden is in Mono, Ontario, on 25 acres on the Niagara Escarpment. Two years ago, Julia expanded her vegetable garden from 2,000 to 7,000 square feet continuing in the formal kitchen garden style. Julia has been growing vegetables and writing about gardening for over 10 years and has been twice published in the Canadian Organic Grower magazine. She loves to inspire others to have their own vegetable gardens by showing them the simpler side of gardening. She enjoys teaching others, speaking and holding workshops. You can find her at her blog, www.juliademacos.com, at her Facebook page, Julia Demacos, Gardening Girl, on YouTube at www.youtube.com gardening girl, and Instagram at Julia Demacos. So uh, if you haven't heard before, welcome to the show, Julia. Thank
2: you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get to be back here. But wow, that's quite the intro. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow.
1: I uh, hope you yes. can find
2: me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah,
1: all of those instructions, <laughs> which will all of course be on our show notes as well. So there'll be links to you so everybody can track you down. And of course visit our last um our last show. Um but we had so much fun last time. So we are very excited that you are back and and uh, we can talk veggies. And now all the veggies, you know, we did seed starting and all the things you started, you were starting, and um, and now that we have plants, it's very exciting. This is a really busy time, and I'm really happy to be back
2: because this is a great follow up to, you know, we were talking about dreaming about the garden, but now it's actually starting and it's this is like full swing mo- mode right now that now that uh, the final frost date is finally behind us it snowed on friday which is pretty
1: crazy <laughs> yeah <laughs> right so yeah so how did you prepare for the like did you have some frost so every year people ask me you know because may
2: is so deceiving you know we could have We can go from winter to almost to summer overnight here in May. And so what happens is people get really excited to get growing. And, you know, it seems like a stretch of really nice weather. And I think that excitement just makes people anxious. And now that it's, you know, it's second summer of COVID, people are home, more and more new gardeners are out there planting. And so there's this like rush to get planting. So every year I tell people, no, you know, just slow down final frost date I know from 10 years of experience that our final frost date is June 1st safe date right like today is Mm -hmm. not frost but we had a frost yesterday so you know like I just say just wait because we're gonna have another frost so I don't plant any summer heat loving veggies any fruiting vegetables until June, you know, and uh, specifically like watermelon, for example, I don't put it out of the garden until like second week of June, you Mm -hmm. have to really, uh, you have to show some patience and you have to wait. So I didn't plant anything. In my garden, all my peppers are inside. My tomatoes are still, everything's inside. It's hardening off. It's in my greenhouse or in my gardening room. Uh, the only thing I planted though, because, you know, I had so much, I thought, oh, I don't see a frost in two weeks. Maybe I'll put out just to see what happens. A couple of eggplants, a few cucumbers. And they were fine. I did cover them. So to prepare, I have cloches. I have a lot of cloches and they sell them at Dollarama. They're, they're really inexpensive. So over the years, I've been amassing them. Every time I go, I grab a few. And so I had enough to put it over the big crops and that is really helpful. I also have a lot of uh, row covers, frost blankets and actually Dollarama sells them too. They're not the greatest quality. They tear really easily, but I have lots that I purchased from seed companies. So I did cover what I needed to, and most things were fine. Cucamelons are not looking great. I did put them out, but I have like, they had to get out. Like they were just not happy anymore in their pots. So I put them out, but I do have a whole backup crop that is still Uh, inside under my grow lights that are ready for me to put out so basically I'm good everything you know I put onions out on time leeks out on time they don't have to be covered strawberries are fine so it depends on what it is but best to
1: wait mm-hmm. yeah all right and so now that it's January or January now that it's June <laughs> what's your do you have a plan like what goes out next uh you know what are you you know the peppers we know yes. love the heat are you holding those back a little bit longer so the weather does look nice
2: as of today We're not going to drop below double digits. So, you know, all these fruiting crops do not like to go below 10. They're not happy. So, if you put them out, they will struggle. You know, it does set them back. So, I do wait. The melons, for sure, I'm going to wait another week. They're fine, but you know, why not? They're fine. They're going to catch up. They're all able to. So, the first thing that I'm going to put out now is potatoes. So, I have my, you know, like all the alliums are in. Potatoes need to go out. And had I planted them sooner, they might've received some frost damage. So now I can put them out, but my potatoes are chitted. I have a video on YouTube. If you check it out, if you don't know what potato chitting is, it's basically sprouting your potatoes, not sprouting like sit in a drawer and you see those white, long, lanky shoots. Those Those are not good shoots. Those are very delicate and fragile. So you want to chit them. And so my potatoes are chitted. So now they, because I've chitted them, I've saved that time of waiting for them to, gener- to germinate, sprout in under the soil. They've now they're, they have a head start of two weeks by chitting. Now I will put them in the ground and they're already making leafy growth, so they'll just continue. And so when you're chitting them too, like the, the little stems are, they're compact. They're not white; they're green starting to leap out that's the whole thing about shitting so it gives you a head start so i don't i can put them out now there's no rush um i need to get the bean seeds planted <laughs> i planted lima beans thinking they would never germinate because the soil was so dry before we had this frost it was like the, the sahara desert and out there right it was so hot yeah. and dry um they've germinated and i did cover them while they came up from the ground so beans need to go out that's the next thing and then I will start putting out tomatoes and then you know eggplants and peppers kind of all go together melons last and zucchini um I think they need like it's really a rush now right like I feel like it's mm-hmm. now it's just full full time needing to get everything out there and now that you know we're here at June um, this yeah. is the time hmm yeah so it's a big just long the- answer
1: the scale no no that's very helpful because the scale of what you have going on it's not like you know one tray today and one tray tomorrow like you know you've got to have a process yeah it's like really and you have to
2: you know you can't look at it as a whole like I can't see my garden is 7,000 square feet and I can't think of it as I have to plant 7,000 square feet I don't because I have a lot of perennials in there uh, perennial fruit and, and you know berries and, and trees that come up that are there but I have like the beds you need to get planted. But if you look at it as a whole, it's overwhelming. So I don't do that. I just look at it as I'm planting potatoes today. That's my goal. All the potatoes and I do, I do plant a lot of potatoes. So for me, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it'll take hours, right. And then Mm. the next project will be okay, let's get the, you know, the tomatoes out,
1: that'll be like days. But I can't look at it as a whole. It's got to be like, one by one. I think you must look at it like a gym membership, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Today I'm working on. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You're, you're out, you know, your day. arms, you're digging, the, di- you know, digging, digging those potatoes. You're working on your arms and you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, my goodness. Good I never thought
2: of it that way. Yeah. Well done.
1: Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Reframing, right? It's all about the reframing. So exactly. So exactly. that's good. That's good. And looks like we have a few questions, Matt.
0: We do a few questions rolling in. Uh, Clyde has written help rodents in my veggie garden, mice slash rats. How do I get oh. them out? Oh,
2: they are the worst, right? They are so bad. Oh, I don't have a good answer for you, Clyde. I'm really sorry. I had voles or mole voles in my garden last year and I still think I have them. And, you know, they're nasty. So you definitely don't want to put any root crops if they're like living in a bed. You want to keep all your root veggies out of there because, or like dahlias, anything with a tuber, that's what they love. They just live under the ground and they, you'll, you'll end up pulling out crops and they'll be like, missing a whole section because they've been, you know, chewed out. So you definitely want to keep that away from there. But I don't know, I I would say the most natural way to do it is you need to put traps without poison, just natural traps with a little peanut butter, you know, Mm -hmm. on the on the whatever the, the yes. part that that petal that they step on that's yeah. the only way because if you poison them in the garden then and they eat that poison and they run away then something else bigger will eat them and they'll, they'll be poisoned so you I suggest like you, you can't you don't want to let them stay if they're you know eating your crops I think traps are got
1: to be the way to do it to go and if you have yeah. a cat
2: you know if you can like let the cat visit
1: <laughs> yes yeah short of the cat for sure for sure. Or chicken, you know, <laughs> I don't know yeah, if has that, but. Yeah, but I know we've had past questions. That, no, I, I agree with you. We've had past questions about, you know, plants that deter them or anything with fragrance. And and, and really, I don't think so. Like, I think they want the food and the, the especially when it's so this is a problem too, with it being so dry. So they might necessarily want the food, but the, the moisture that's in, you know, that's well, we're not at fruiting stage yet either, but uh yeah, I think later on when they're eating the crops, I think they're just looking, they're thirsty too. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I actually love Dahlia tubers. They love Dahlia tubers last year. I was only able to
2: salvage two. I had, a, I don't know how many I planted, maybe eight last year in my garden. And I only, were, I was only able to pull out two. They had chewed out the entire tuber. They just, and I, it was, they were living inside a totally. It was just like a flower bed, a pollinator bed that I created. And I put a few Dahlias in it. There were, they ate all the dahlias. It was unbelievable. Like there was just like the side of a dahlia tuber left. They just chunked Aww. out the whole thing and loved it. Life in there, you know, nice and protected over top with flowers and, yeah. and under the soil. And there was nothing there. You think like, what are you eating dahlia tubers? So.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. And now how are you, when you're using traps, have you noticed, or you're going to use them this year and, and see?
2: So, you know, I find in my garden, they, they're definitely there. I saw, I was at the compost bin this morning and I I noticed something, you know, scurry past and the compost is just outside the fence. So they're definitely, they're definitely there, but I'm not seeing them now. It's more of a late summer um, overwintering thing. Mm. And then I find that they kind of dissipate and then they build up because, you know, like a nice coverage of foliage over top of the, soil. like I had um, a honeywort bed last year, which is basically like a syrinth it's another type of syringe flower but the foliage is so big that the entire bed was covered it was this massive beautiful bed full of pollinators but you couldn't see the soil and so because it was so protected and covered it was a haven for them Mm. um so anything that's like really lush above from above is you know is is definitely appealing and protective so I don't know I'm gonna have if if I have if I have trouble definitely peanut butter traps out in the garden yeah yeah. yeah. Or some, I mean I don't know like if that would actually catch birds I'm not sure if they eat peanut butter maybe I don't have squirrels in my garden so
1: Yeah.
2: something no. maybe
1: else that would attract maybe a little honey I don't know something. Yeah. Yeah, no I think I think there's so much other things for for birds to go after that I I don't know that they're in that. You know where you would put traps I don't know that that would affect birds. Plus so. you would hide
2: them right? You'd hide mm-hmm. them under something. It's not like the yeah. bird would see it. So yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. That's what I, for sure. I would do that.
1: Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There you go Clive. Sorry.
0: Good luck with that. I know it's a challenging <laughs> dilemma for yes. sure. And if you find out any amazing thing that works for you, be sure to share. Be sure mm-hmm. to share it with us, please. Mm-hmm. Uh Peter has written in, "Can I get some advice on a really good tasty tomato variety for salads, sandwiches and sauce?" Thank you.
2: Mm. Okay. Uh yes, and Those are all three different types. So salads, I would say you could definitely put like a delicious Cherokee purple. Cherokee purple is probably one of my favorite tomatoes. It's glorious. Like it's got red flesh on the inside It's deep red. You know, it's got a brownish skin, green shoulders. It's absolutely beautiful. And it's not a lot of seeds inside. You can just eat the whole, you can slice it and put on your burger, thick, juicy, gorgeous. Like it's beyond belief. I can't, I can't wait. I'm dying, right? Black cream is my second (laughs) closest to that. I have, um, you know, for eating fresh, I love Aunt Ruby's German green. Uh, They're really big tomatoes, also delicious for eating in a salad or in a sandwich. Uh, But then, you know, I really like cocktail tomatoes too for salads. So, you know, the uh, Campari size. So I like Gardner's Delight for that size. Tomato, it's really yummy. And, you know, other things like blush, Brad's Atomic Grape. These are really great for fresh eating in a salad. Now, if you want to do sauce, because those tomatoes are really, really juicy, they have a lot of water in them. So you're going to have a lot of cooking down if you're going to be trying to turn a Cherokee purple into a sauce. Like it would just take a lot. It's very, mm. a lot of water in it. So right. you need something drier and that would be one of my favorite is Amish paste for uh, making sauce that. And of course, San Marzano, you can't go wrong with San Marzano. Uh, those are so popular, but yeah, Amish paste is a great alternative, really beautiful, beautiful, big fruit, delicious. And ox, actually you can also consider ox heart. Ox heart is like, it looks like or a bull's heart. It's like the shape of a, a bull's heart basically, or a oh, cow's wow. heart. it's that shape of tomato. Not as uh, wet on the inside, not as watery. I guess you can turn it okay. into a sauce tomato, or you could also eat it fresh. That one oh. is a nice balance between, you know, definitely, def- definitely great for fresh eating, but also could be cooked. Right. Okay.
1: So it was, yeah, Amish. What was the second word? Amish paste. Paste. Okay. Paste. Thank you. Yeah, these Excellent. are all heirloom
2: tomatoes too. You could save seeds from all of them.
1: Uh, once you okay. have them once, if you could save seeds from them, you'll never have to buy them again. They'll they yeah. come true excellent well that's great yeah that's great lots to know um how many tomatoes did you seed oh
2: (laughs) so this year last year I had 75 plants and I thought okay I'm gonna go I'm gonna do a little less this year I'm just gonna you know I'm gonna be a little bit more conservative I'm thinking 50 I was thinking 50 so then I started I started you know my seeds and I had 45 varieties first I thought I had 35 varieties it's like okay good conservative number if I do yeah. two of each okay 70 again I can manage 70 that's fine I mean I can manage 75 it's fine I just thought it would be nicer to have a little less but then I found 10 more varieties hiding that I had intended to plant that I purchased this year like really cool different ones that I've never seen before so ended up being 45 varieties and then I thought okay well I can't what am I gonna do one of each plus five I can't do that so now we're back up but then I did like six to eight of each one. So I've got about 300.
1: <laughs> oh, my. All right. So I did
2: sell 10 of them. But I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm going to just pick the best ones and give them away. Sell them. Whatever I can do. Yes. let sale. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yes.
1: Oh, <laughs> so I'm, that's good. I'm probably going to
2: go back to 70 this year. 70, 75. I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's just hard to resist I want to grow all of them,
1: right? Mm-hmm. There's too many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, one of my questions, so this is a listener question, but I'm the listener. Um, so okay. I have as much <laughs> experience as I have and how long I've been doing this show. I still struggle with determinant and indeterminate tomatoes. <laughs> okay. So definition, what is yes. the difference? Yes, please. Okay.
2: So a determinant tomato is a bush type of tomato. It grows to a maximum height of three, four feet, tops. It produces all its fruit at the same time. It's not vining, so you don't want to take off any of the suckers. You want every sucker to remain because it doesn't have a main vine. So they will all grow to a maximum size. They're really manageable. You can use a tomato cage to stake them. and. They all produce at the same time and they also produce early. So they can come out of the garden a lot earlier, but they typically all produce around the same time, harvest the whole thing, you're done. That's a a determinate variety. Okay. Indeterminate is a vining crop. So it has a main vine that will grow and grow and grow infinity. And those are the ones you would see in greenhouses that are, you know, have one vine and they like go up so many 12, 15, 16 feet tall, and they a special machine to go down the aisles to collect them. So that is an indeterminate. It's got a main vine and it produces suckers. Do you want to take the suckers off or maybe just select one and have two main vines and it makes tomatoes throughout the entire season. It keeps going. And if you lived in, you know, California, they would just keep going. You could have them all winter long. So it just keeps producing and you need to stake them really well because that main
1: vine, it will just keep growing. And yeah. Okay. So then I've then read that. Remove them from, and then so they, the- they
2: ripen from the bottom up. So you would remove the bottom tomatoes. You'd see that those are ripened first and then the next tier and then the next tier,
1: the next tier and onwards. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm taking good notes here. I hope our listeners are okay <laughs> okay. as well, um, because yeah, I have. I think it's sweet mil, is, I don't think it's sweet million. It's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that Three million uh, sounds right. Yes, that. Uh, Those I believe, are cherry tomatoes. Yes, so cherry tomatoes, but they are indeterminate. I believe. Is
2: Indeterminate, that? I think. I think they are. Uh, I okay. haven't grown. I think I grew them ten years ago. Um, it's it produces bazillions of cherry tomatoes, of okay. little red cherry tomatoes, gazillions, and you'll never have. You'll never. You'll, you'll have enough to last you forever you'll be handing them to friends so Good. many okay and you want to stake it properly remove the suckers I would say all of them you know you could keep one main vine two at the most sometimes but you have to stake it correctly like it will topple its tomato cage will not hold it so I suggest okay. like pro- tying it in you know and uh removing suckers and just okay. keeping that one and every truss, it'll make trusses and trusses and trusses. And each truss will have like I don't know the number on a sweet million, how many per truss of fruit, you know, like the you know what I'm talking about. That's yeah, that hangs off yes. covered in yeah. a cluster of, of fruit. So I'm each one is each variety is different, but I'm not sure how many that would have 20 on a on a truss. Okay. I'm not okay. sure. 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And that is the disadvantage. So I didn't, I obviously bought the plant from a garden center, um, which were I found the varieties were very limited this year. Um, And I know it's Mm -hmm. you get much your advantage of starting the seeds yourself, you really get uh, to, you know, experiment. Um, And I always think, yeah, yeah, all the growers are going to grow more and all the different garden centers are going to have different varieties, but it's just wasn't the case, Mm -hmm. you know, And the sweet million is a a hybrid variety, so you can't save seeds from it either.
2: If you save seeds, you're not going to get the same thing. Those are specifically bred. I believe it's a hybrid I'm I'm almost positive that's an F1 Um, yeah and uh, you're really limited when you're not starting your own some some nurseries though I've seen there's a local one that I just popped into last week and I noticed they had Cherokee purple there which was surprising they wouldn't have all the ones that I have but they did have some interesting ones so that was nice to see Uh, but yeah typically you have like the ones that produce the best the easiest to grow and that's the ones you'll find at the nursery but if you really want to find like I have a lot of striped ones I have grape shaped Mm -hmm. ones I have pear shaped ones i have you know like mid-sized ox hearts i've got so many types that you wouldn't find anywhere so yes, that's the fun yes. part about starting them yourself yes.
1: yeah and they're but choosing right soon. yes but yeah. choosing yeah. is why is you know i mean once you go down that road it's hard to uh to make it you know to choose so <laughs> yes i'd go right. with a hundred i'd go i'd go there's like
2: thousands and thousands of i would i want all of them right what yeah. do you do with them all <laughs> and,
0: the great oh. thing, though,
2: about starting 300 is you get to pick the strongest and only plant those. And if something mm-hmm. happens and you lose one or two or something, you know, they don't quite make it. That's OK, because you have like a 300 lot to choose from and you can pick your 75 best and plant them or, 15 mm-hmm. or 25, whatever your number
1: is. Yeah. 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 Well, that's good. That is good.
0: I think I'm going to jump in as we reach the bottom of the hour and uh, just uh, say thank you to everybody who is uh, joining us this evening here live on Reality Radio 101. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host Joanne Shaw and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you. From our research and from the wonderful guests such as tonight's guest Julia Damagos who join us here on the show don't forget to spend more time with us down the garden path you can find uh, us on your favorite podcast provider and while you're there please subscribe to be notified of new content like share and leave us a comment you can also find joanna down the number to earth.ca and myself at naturalaffinity.ca. So we have a couple of listener questions Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, Just Sue is uh, giving us a shout out to Julia. Says, hello, thanks for the advice tonight. Hello to Julia. Love her work.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Sue. Hello.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We've also got Alice is written in. Alice says, hi, uh, due to the other listener question regarding the rodents, can I continue to grow my vegetables indoors all summer? any tips okay
2: uh, matt <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Matt, yeah, you you can start that one if you yeah. want. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I have never grown them indoors. I have found even like with herbs, especially over like winter, we just tend to not be able to replicate that heat uh, and that length of daylight that they like. So, I mean, unless you're really set up like, Julie, like you were mentioned before with, you know, those greenhouses and you've got the system and the water and the lighting and the space. Uh, to really do it you it's hard for us to do it as homeowners to be growing them indoors um, all the time or all year round
1: yeah and pollinating yeah. too right and
0: yeah if you have anything that needs to be pollinated then you're going to have to go and tickle them all so you're gonna have to cross pollinate them and do all of that yourself it's
2: just it's so much harder because when you've got they're outside too. the weather the, the climate the humidity level and all that is controlled indoors You know, it gets really hot. Like I'm in in my gardening room. I've got my plants growing here and they are hot. They're generating so much humidity in this room that, you know, that's a hard place to function in, you know, for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. So if you had a big garden happening inside, you know, that would, number one, they would generate a lot of heat and humidity. And then there could be aphids as a result of it, or, you know, mites or spider mites, all kinds of things can happen. And also Mm -hmm. you need really good lighting and the window is not enough. You know, you go crazy turning them by the window. You need a light overhead, you need to have a system. You need to have space, depending what it is you're growing, and it is possible. I've seen, I know people personally that grow tomatoes indoors all winter. They have amazing grow lights, big pots. You know, there, each tomato has a big pot and they, it's, but you have to baby them. You have to work with it and you need to stake them correctly. You you know, cucumbers, you'd have to trellis them correctly. I don't even know. It would be hard. I find I can start things really well under the lights, but to keep them growing bigger and bigger, you need more and more space and it just gets crazy. And the watering will make you mental. You just, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, depends (laughs) what it, if you want to do a couple, Okay, give it a go, but I wouldn't say do the whole thing inside for sure. And you want those earthworms too in the soil, right? Like they're mm-hmm. so good and they poop and they feed your plants and you would have to make up for
1: that indoors too. So yeah. 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 Yeah, and I I think there's lots of options, Alice, as far as the rodents go. Like I think looking at investing in maybe raised planters that are up off the ground that can help with you know, so I think if if that's really a concern, there there are some things you can do to protect your crops. Um, easier than growing inside don't you agree yes yeah agreed definitely yeah. definitely yeah. so thank you for the question though alice thank you very much <laughs>
0: any other questions I yeah.
2: Matt.
1: Yeah, i know
0: no that was <laughs> it for listener questions that was it for listener questions
1: excellent okay excellent um so, yeah. So thank you. Um, I, well, I had some questions for you too. Well, I always have some questions. What are you most excited Excellent. about for your season this year? <sighs> um,
2: okay. What am I, well, so this year I have a tea garden in my kitchen Ooh. garden. Um, I grow a lot of herbs and I let, grow a lot of flowers from seed in order to harvest them to make tea and to make body care products. I really love making salve. So I have calendula. I've always had that. And I harvest them calendula to make calendula salve. And I also harvest, you can, you know, cook with the calendula. It could be like a replacement for saffron. It does color your food yellow. So I really like to do that. But this year I've expanded on the tea garden. So I have hibiscus, which is, um, I don't know how, uh, also known as roselle. And basically, you know, if you have hibiscus tea, which is that red tea, it's kind of soury, tangy. That's what I'm growing. I'm growing those. And I'm excited about them. I've babied them uh, since January when I started them. And they are in the garden. And actually, they were totally fine with the frost. I didn't even cover them the first two nights. Just Even when it snowed, it was fine on them, which is shocking because they're kind of tropical. But I did cover them. For that actual frost night that we had that went down to minus one. And they totally were fine. They're uncovered now, and I water them and they're happy. So that is exciting to me. And I am really excited for my tomatoes. <laughs> I have so many. Very delicious varieties that I'm growing again and new ones that I've never seen before. I just, I'm so, I can't wait. To, and cucumbers. I am growing so many cucumbers this year. I just, you know, cucumbers are funny things and it's just better to start more. And I have a lot that I'm growing this year. I just multi-sewed a lot and I pricked them out and I've got so many pots and I don't care. I'm just going to put them everywhere. <laughs> so that's what I'm, I really want to have a lot of cucumbers and tomato salads this summer. That's what I Oh, I'm
1: perfect. About. Perfect. Yeah. So, once you get everything in, you know, I know that's going to be the next few weeks of your life, right? Is getting everything in and yes. settled. And many of our listeners, you know, might have those smaller gardens already all in that type of thing, or maybe, you know, this coming week. What is like, what's the next step? Like, what should, you know, is it just sit and wait and water? Or are there any other uh, tips or advice that you have for? the next step after getting them in the ground? So you definitely want to, once they're in, you
2: want to start managing them. So you're going to water them. And I don't have an irrigation system by choice. You know, it's 7,000 square feet. It would be a lot easier for me if I had drip lines. But then at the same time, I wouldn't have... I would I would miss things that would happen. I would miss the cucumber beetles. I've missed mm. I've already had Colorado potato bugs in my garden this year. I mean, I didn't have them till August last year. I've already ha- killed squashed three Colorado potato bugs. Disgusting because I have, you know, volunteers that I thought I harvested all the potatoes and I didn't, the little baby got away and I I have potatoes coming up and sure enough, they came up from the ground too, from those beds probably. And I've killed three. I haven't seen him since. Um, So, you know, you want to start paying attention to your crops and watering them as you do. You want to be weeding and you also, I would suggest, uh, I would consider, just uh planting a succession crop indoors so I don't plant everything all at once so once my lettuces are in I think to myself oh, I just gotta have more lettuce you know what about that variety or this variety that I didn't I didn't start those so then indoors I keep a grow light on and then I sow a tray of more lettuce, you know, I sow some more radishes, because they start better indoors, I would sow some more beets, because I like to start them indoors too. And so I I get all these backups. And then you know, you could even do like a backup of of cucumbers, because you never know, maybe they got burnt, maybe they didn't adjust well, and they grow so quickly that you could technically plant them in the garden. But if you do have cucumber beetles, they will get attacked first. So definitely start another batch indoors. Have them as a backup, plant them out two weeks later, and you can have a succession, a continuous succession of these things. Have some extra zucchinis on hand. If you have seeds, start those indoors. And so I think always about like, what else can I plant that I really love that I want to, I don't want to have all at once. I'd rather just space it out a little bit, maybe more Swiss chard, you know, uh, there's just the possibilities are endless. So that's what mm. I do. I just, then I start the next once it's all in, but you know, you're, you're watering and you're managing and it just never stops.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it never does. No, maybe for sure. I'm not staying up all night, but I'm, uh, maybe I'm sleeping. <laughs> but I'm, I'm all day. I can picture you with that. Do you have a headlamp that you're out there at night? No, like?
2: I, can, but I have a, like a four by four that I drive to the garden
1: and I turn the light on sometimes <laughs> and I'm in there late. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it's crazy <laughs> that's crazy that is good though that that's is so a good awesome. idea we did my son um my son did start some seeds uh it, for the vegetable garden so not, not the tomatoes but we did start uh and i'm trying to remember it started with the you recommended a zucchini uh from renee's yeah so yeah yeah so we did we got some we have some we we he, we we pl- he planted four i mean i let him 22. You know, we planted four of everything that I gave him. Uh the, and you'd ma- oh, recommended great. a dwarf melon as well. So we cuz we were going to hang it on, have it climb and and uh so we so yeah, so some of the things um so but then Excellent. all four plants did well. So it's like he's like, oh, "What do we do?" and I'm like, so right now we have three planted and I, I think a fourth maybe we're going to give away cuz I don't know. Do we need four zucchini plants? So the great thing
2: about the astia is that it doesn't have a vine. So most zucchini plants have a main vine, and you, that's the part that sprawls across the floor, across the ground, and it just keeps going, and it leaves the bed, and it just you know takes it just leaves, right? Yeah. So the astia doesn't do that. The astia kind of grows upwards, so it's okay. got the main stem, and then it produces uh, leaves. Does so it doesn't vine away. There's no suckers, and so the main stem will then produce fruit and leaves, and fruit and leaves upwards. You know, it might tip over in the bed, but it's not leaving. So you can plant them a lot closer together. So I give Astia about two feet all around and I plant, okay. you know,
1: much closer with the Astia as opposed okay. to like a regular zucchini. You, you want to give it space to leave. <laughs> right, right. So we did put them in pots. So I actually have uh, one is in the garden oh, perfect. and two are in pots. They're in really big pots. So we'll perfect. see. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, uh, yummy. Yummy. Yeah, That's great. I know. I can't I, wait I, to plant mine. Yeah. I'm um, very excited
1: for that. I love
2: zucchini too. These are just the best, right? All these summer yeah. veggies. Are just yeah,
1: for sure. Nothing but like it, it is a great idea to start a succession, like to start some inside now, even like, I think that once they're outside, you stop, like you stop, turn off the grow lights, put them You're, away, he, but yeah, you know, you get tired. I had enough of that, mm. but you know, it doesn't take much to
2: manage one tray. You could just do one tray, you know, one what is it? One by two size tray, you know, one by two foot. And uh, just have a few little cells in there with some little bits in there and do whatever you didn't have time to plant in there. And then you have tuck them in somewhere, something will come out, you can put that it's ready. And you know, this is like, I have lettuces in my garden, I have uh, my greenhouse is full, but my lettuces in my garden, I know I'm going to start harvesting heads because I planted them last September, and they are all Beautiful, but they're going to have to come out. And I'm thinking already, like what do I want to put in this place. You know, I really like that lettuce, but I didn't try that one. And I'm already like intending to start some more this week, so I have a backup. And it takes about, I would say, two weeks from seed to transplant if you want to have a like significant size. So yeah, it's be the perfect time to get them started now. So in two weeks, I can get out like a plant to the garden. Okay. As opposed To a tiny little seedling. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, Yeah, do you find lettuce tricky? Like, do you have any tips for lettuce? Because you mean the whole bolting or? So I did a lot of videos this year on YouTube about multi
2: sowing and I find that multi sowing I have the most success when it comes to starting any kind of seed you know except for like the squashes the pumpkins it's the zucchini I don't multi sow them because they're so big that they actually need I, I sold them directly into four inch pots but otherwise I multi sow just about everything and then I prick out when they're tiny and I have videos on pricking out so when they before they have their first true leaf I prick them out so I multi-sew them in a, in a little, little container a little tray I prick prick out into individual cells, one per cell. And that helps a lot. So the root system has enough space to grow within that cell and to reach a a good size for transplanting out. Now, if you keep it in there for too long and you let it dry out, it will not survive well. It's like they don't like being root bound. They don't like drying out. Lettuce is mostly water. So I think that's really important. And when you do it that way, when you don't over-sow in a place, like if you were to put a few seeds into a single cell, it will be too tight, and that's when I find lettuce starts, you know, oh, getting okay. dry and old and bolting, and it's not happy. Mm-hmm. Don't let it dry out, and then just transplant it out. You know, when, when it's a miniature plant, like it's got maybe two sets of true leaves, maybe three, and then it's ready to go to the garden, and that's a good size. Don't keep it in there for longer. And then also, um, I space them on a stagger planting approach, so they're offset. And I always remove the outer leaves. So by removing the outer leaves, you know, you're removing any damaged leaves. It prevents slugs from attacking and earwigs from getting in there. It keeps the plant compact, keeps the plant clean, and then allows it to keep producing. And it does prevent bolting by
1: doing Ah, it that way. Okay. That's a great tip. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. No, definitely. And we definitely want to encourage our listeners. We'll have all your... um, your contact information, especially your YouTube uh, channel on our, in our Thank show you. notes. So, cause that's, I mean, Perfect. as much as we explain things, um, you know, it, seeing you do it and, and seeing a video is always very helpful. For sure. Definitely.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to explain it. But you know, if you don't know where I'm coming from, I can see how that could be like, what are you talking about? Yeah.
1: What mean?" <laughs> yes, yes. And I think because you're local, so for all our Canadian listeners or Ontario uh, listeners, zone five, you know, I think it's more relatable too because what somebody does in another other area of the world, and overall they're probably about the same, but I think it's nice to, to see uh, videos of what uh, and the timing and all the things that you do in, in a garden in our, in our uh, zone. Right. Yes, exactly. I think so. That definitely makes it easier. I mean, if you had a garden in California,
2: you would be doing things differently than here. You'd be way ahead of us and you'd be growing, you'd be harvesting zucchini by now. So you, know, <laughs> you can't look at it necessarily like the climate really does affect it. Right. And how much rain we have and, or not have and, you know everything you know how hot it gets like this really does affect how plants produce if it gets too hot tomatoes drop their flowers you know like they don't necessarily do well you do have to learn to make adaptations to your garden to work within your own climate
1: Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah definitely Um, got a couple more questions
0: we've got brad has written in are strawberries hard to grow any tips thank you
2: Okay. Yes. No, I don't find them hard to grow. I find them really easy and I find them really adaptable. So we had the frost last week and I had planted a bunch of strawberries about two or three weeks ago in the garden and I didn't need to cover them. They're perfectly hardy so they don't need any kind of special treatment that way. They can, we can manage it. Uh, i say in the first year, you should definitely remove runners. Uh, don't let them go because you want to focus all the energy on producing your, uh, the root system. And you also, um, um, I'm so sorry. It's okay. So sorry, my daughter just walked in. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So okay, sorry about that. Um, Yeah, so remove all the runners. And then I recommend it's hard to do because you know, when you plant a strawberry plant, you want it to start producing fruit right away. But if you really want it to establish itself, you want to remove all the runners and the fruit, like the flowers. Initially, some people recommend don't allow it to go to flower in the first year because you really wanted to establish itself. I say let a few flowers stay and harvest some fruit. But in the second year, it's once it's established, it will start making fruit for you. So, you know, try to manage it by removing those runners because the runners runners will leave and they will start uh, walking across the garden and leave the bed like mine have. In the beginning, I didn't manage them very well and they're a ground cover now in my garden. So um, that's really important that you do that. But yeah, just kind of give them an offset planting, give them enough space based on the recommendation. I do a foot apart approximately and uh, yeah, they're pretty easy, you know, just... okay
1: so they're hungry, they like out,
2: they're, they're very hardy, and they go for about three years you know that okay. like a plant is about three after about three years it doesn't really produce fruit the same so you may want to consider leaving the runner to root clipping off from the mother taking out the mother and now you've got the you know baby plant from that runner that left oh, okay. and established
1: itself and created a baby plant okay yeah. so i didn't know that they were perennial I mean, that so like, they but they would yeah. peter out kind of thing. But I get that. Yeah, that's interesting.
2: Eventually, like that's why strawberry fields, you know, that with their, where there's picking, they're always um, planting um, fresh crops every year, you know, they have like a, a rotation system. And eventually the old ones got to go because they produce a lot less and they put in new ones for a fresh crop. But yeah, they will they will be there for years. I've had them. The original plants in my garden, like from the same bed, you know, when I just built the garden and I think that was uh, seven or eight years ago now here and they, I still have that original bed with some of the original plants, no problem. They grow yeah they'll never they'll never die <laughs> They're just there well they will eventually if you don't take care of them and also I suggest putting some kind of mulch down in between the plants because it keeps the fruit off the soil it keeps the weeds from developing so maybe some kind of straw would be a nice idea or even like mulched leaves would be a nice idea between the different plants and then that would protect them and insulate the soil and break down over time and feed the soil etc
0: front right. yeah. and julia do you start your strawberries by seed or do you usually just use more to- runners so i do both uh
2: depends on what i'm growing so if you buy runners at the store usually like the hardware stores will sell them those are typically they either they're ever bearing or they're June bearing so ever bearing means they produce fruit throughout the entire growing season Typically the fruit is smaller. It's really sweet and it's not as much at once. So it's always like, it just continuously produces fruit. June bearing is like the kind that you would pick when you go strawberry picking in June, they produce all their fruit and then they're done. Uh, So those ones I start from crowns, you know, by the roots and then they're really easy to, you put them in a pot and then they grow so quickly and, Those are very easy to grow. And if you want, I I really like Alpine strawberries. Those are more like the wild strawberry, the smaller ones, and they have them in white pine berries. They have them in yellow. They have them in red. They're amazing. There's so many old varieties out there and those I start from seed and they grow just fine easily from seed. They need an earlier start. So I usually get them in end of January, early February for our zone five. And, uh, I still have them in the garden, and they too leave the bed if you don't watch them. So, <laughs> but they grow really well, and they uh, they're harder to find. So that's why you want to start those with seed because um, the plants are not as readily available. Definitely not in nurseries; they would just have you know proper full size fruit there. So alpines mm-hmm. are a lot of fun, and delicious. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Okay,
0: yeah, I'm growing. Um, I started from seed a little later than I should have, but I started uh, Yellow Wonder. Um, from Seeds. I'm looking forward to those.
2: Oh, did you get the Renee's too? Or from Baker Creek? Because I've seen Ah, uh, Baker Creek. Yes, you did. <laughs> I yeah. remember seeing them. They're, those are good. Those are really, and they're so pretty.
0: They pretty are very are so pretty. different. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Even oh, the foliage that's, that's is
0: exciting. Just, yeah. Have you ever yes. tasted them? <laughs>
2: I don't think I have I don't think I've started those I have the white ones and the red ones I never had the yellow I want to hear how you like them when they grow any good have you had them
0: (laughs) I haven't had them no I just wanted something different because I like harvest I like growing strawberries I usually grew the everbearing and then I saw yellow wonder yeah oh that looks so nice (laughs) so I tried to hear about it
2: yeah
0: oh I will let you know (laughs) yeah
1: Matt how 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 big is your your new garden so, so uh, Julia, Matt has gotten a community garden, right? Is that what you call it, like a plot? Yeah, yeah, it's yes.
0: a community garden plot. It's uh, thirty feet long by four feet wide, uh, deep Ooh, or wide. Yeah, yeah. so nice. So. Yeah, a lot in there. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's
1: so got very got exciting. Lots yeah, of more stuff. than your balcony garden, right, Matt? So,
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> just a little bit more. So we got lots of stuff. I'm gonna, I mix to grow. So I'm listening very intently tonight because I'm picturing doing all that there.
2: (laughs) Oh, you must be so excited. Are you putting flowers into your beds? Into all the veggie beds? I do a lot of flower companions.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, I was thinking of that and that was going to be one of my questions. What um, type of companions do you you find work really well? I was thinking um, some catmint and some alyssum, but...
2: Yeah. No, I don't specifically believe in in companion planting in terms of like don't grow this with this and grow that with that like I don't think there's real scientific proof that that's works you know as it's stated and I've read books on it before too and I still don't necessarily think that something will keep a pest away from something else but I do like to plant flowers with my vegetables in every single bed I you know at the end of the beds or between them I put in all kinds of nasturtiums zinnias I do um I do a lot of new ones. Um, Let's see. I have zinnias, nasturtiums. I did lisianthus this year. I did, uh, I have cosmos, of course. I have stocks. I have schizanthus. I mean, I have a lot of, different new ones. I've got bachelor buttons and straw flowers and, you know, I love all kinds and it doesn't matter what they are. And I put them in together. I have catmint. mint. is beautiful too, you know, and so they attract pollinators and then people that, Say that they're how do they pollinate their zucchini because it doesn't make any fruit? It's often because there's no pollinators. But if you put the flowers, you know, that is attracting bees because bees see in ultraviolet colors, so they're seeing those colors in the garden and they're going there. And then, oh, there's another, there's a flower of a zucchini. I might as well, you know, I'm gonna go there Mm -hmm. too because they're attracted to colors. So if you entice them, right, it's those flowers are enticing the bees, so they're you know, flirting with the bees, come to me. So, like, you put them in the garden, they come. And then they'll be like, okay, here's some more. And then they pollinate your vegetables for you. You end up getting a higher yield from it. So Mm -hmm. I believe in that. And I really like planting. I like planting basil everywhere anyway, but I do like it with my tomatoes just for the, uh, not because it makes tomatoes taste better, I think that's a myth uh, for sure, but because it's easy to grow them together because they fit well under a tomato, mm. you know, they're. Okay. and then if they go to flower, if they bolt, they attract pollinators. So, you know, it's always a win-win mm. that way. Um, so I, that's what I, that's how I companion plant. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. My sons, so I, planned, I bought two more basil plants. Like I did buy them as plants and my son was like, every year you buy them and it, we never get anything from them. Like they always, I always, <laughs> they always fail for some reason so I'm like but I'm going to keep trying like I'm just determined you know so I, I said that to him I said you know so he just laughed at me when I came home with two more basil plants so uh, <laughs> oh, we don't that's we so don't... great that he helps you That mm-hmm. he's, you
2: know he helps you and he's interested yes um, what goes wrong with your basil plants
1: would you say they just they just I think you know I end up neglecting them or what we although we seem to he's on top of watering too but I think they end up um, just really like bolting whether they're bolting or whether they just don't thrive. So I'm doing them in in containers too. So not in the ground. Um, We don't have a lot of garden space with, you know, backyard with a pool, you know, so we turned our little strip into a vegetable garden. And I found the herbs, it's easier to keep an eye on them in in pots versus in the ground. But I don't know, maybe I would have better luck if I did try to put them in the ground. Oh, I think that with pots, you definitely want to water
2: more frequently, because every day, mm-hmm. because they'll dry up and basil also doesn't like to dry up that way. It also doesn't like cold. So if you have it, you know, planted too early, like, right, I did plant a few in my garden, and some of them did get affected. So they uh-huh. don't like cold, they turn brown at the top, okay. um, wherever they get the frost or coldness, like they change, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, So that's the thing. You don't want them cold. You want to water regularly and then you want to pinch them back. And if you pinch them back the right way, I have a post on this. I think I have a video on this too on my <laughs> YouTube channel. I show where to pinch. And so that way it encourages it to branch out. It's like a, it's a mint family plant. So they all kind of branch the exact same way. And so they kind of branch at the elbow joint between the leaf and the stem. And then they make two new branches once you pinch above that. And then you've got like more, you know, because bushier, and then you pinch those back. And then you, before you know it, your plant is getting bushier and bushier and rounder. So you want to do that. And that encourages it to keep growing in uh-huh. a bolt. So all those, Excellent. those ideas.
1: Oh, great tips. I can't wait to watch some of those videos. I think we so appreciate <laughs> you joining us here. And, and, uh, and you know, because our past show, we talked about all the seeds you were starting. And, and so to finish, and I'm, I'm hoping you'll be back on again, because we've got lots I'd more gardening love season to. ahead of us. So um, I would so love to. Definitely. Definitely. That'd be good. Any other questions for Julia, Matt?
0: Uh, Daredevil wrote in and we kind of just started talking about it, but um, Daredevil asked if we could talk a little bit more about growing veggies in pots. Uh, So was there any other, you know, growing in pots or container tips you had maybe, Julia? Sure. So it depends on what you're growing,
2: you want to make sure that the pot is to the size of the crop that you're growing. So if it's a larger crop, you want to make sure you have a substantial pot for it, because you need to account for the root space within. And then the because the tighter the pot you know the, there'd be less soil the roots will fill up that space and they won't have enough soil to feed them sustain them They'll also dry a lot quicker because there's a lot more roots in that small space of soil so you want to give them a larger space to grow in you don't want to jam a large plant with another large plant in a, in a pot even if it's like a two gallon pot you still want to give it enough room that the roots have enough space to expand Yet yeah, there's still soil left over in that pot, and you can, you know, they can hold some water for you. So that's really important. And then I, I garden organically, so I don't use any kind of chemical fertilizer, but I think that it would be important to um, make sure that you put some kind of worm castings in your pot because that's a natural, that's worm poop. I use a lot of worm castings in my in my gardening. And so I put something like that in there, maybe some. I like Gaia's Green. Gaia's Green is a very mild 444 organic uh, granular type fertilizer. So I, use, I like that. I put a little bit of that. In there. I just want to make sure that you feed that soil because, you know, depending what you put in your pot, it will eventually run out of nutrients. The plant will take it. So you want to be sure you're either watering with fish emulsion, you know, something to mm-hmm. boost it. That's number one. And then you want to water every day. And depending on what the color of your pot is and the material of your pot, if you have a clay pot, it will dry really quickly. If you have a black plastic pot, it'll dry. It'll heat up in the sun and dry mm-hmm. really quickly. If you use a lighter color, it'll dry less like, quickly so I have a white big white flower pot in my garden now it's plastic but it's huge and it's white and it's not gen- it's not you know attracting light like it would if it was black so it's not drying as fast so that's something to think about too and yeah. uh, you depend- you know depends what you're growing you make sure you have a vertical support for it and I think that that would be fine depending what you're growing make sure that if it needs full sun you give it full sun if it needs less put it in the right spot if it's windy make sure you protect it or stake it right so it doesn't blow over you know pots really like to once they dry out they have no weight to them they just fly around right so you just want yeah to make sure that you
0: uh,
1: yeah manage it that i never thought too. about that as far as the pot color so my coordinating black pots might not be such a great idea (laughs) if you put a basil in there yeah it's dried out right yeah there you go (laughs) wow well thank you so much julia for all these great tips um and definitely we'll uh we'll let everybody know to uh to follow you and all your uh social media and uh and youtube channel so uh so definitely uh thank you very much so please uh Um, please stay well and we'll be in touch really soon. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me again. You're welcome.
0: Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Yes. Bye. Pleasure. Bye. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. I know Julia had another call to get on, so she was kind enough to join us. Uh, she had a bit of a conflict, but she still wanted to be part of the show, so I was so um, so thrilled that she could join us, and I can't wait. So definitely follow her. I follow her on Instagram, so I've been seeing all the different things. I saw what she did with all her cloches. It, it really is great. So please, uh, um, Julia DeMarcos, Dimakos, D-I-M-A-K-O-S. Um, and uh, again, we'll have that all in our show notes. Um, but we're ending the month of May, right, Matt? And so it means next month we are starting. What are we talking about next
0: month? That's right. To m- next month it is all about perennials. So we're going to take a deep dive into some of the great and wonderful low-maintenance Uh, Long flowering, very cool uh, and interesting cultivars uh, of perennials, such as speedwells, coneflowers, uh, geraniums, true geraniums, uh, and other some cool other foliage plants, etc. So definitely check in for the month of June. We're all about amazing perennials to be growing in your garden
1: excellent excellent yeah so we're transitioning a little bit from uh, veggies to to perennials but i think there's like julia said cat mint is a great perennial there are a lot of great perennials that are really good pollinators um, that can be great additions to your your uh, your uh, vegetable garden even in pots near your vegetable garden if your vegetable garden's all all alone kind of thing so uh excited to do a deep dive on those uh, specific perennials for sure and uh yeah and the season is going going strong i can't believe it's only may 31st it feels like july um but uh yeah so uh so yes i'm uh, i'm excited to uh to be here with everybody and uh and looking forward to uh um yeah helping with perennials everybody's perennial garden for the next month
0: that's right me too Well, thank you, everybody, for writing in. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in live. Uh, Thank you, Clyde, Peter, Sue, Alice, Harry, Brad, and Daredevil uh, for tuning in and writing, Julia, your questions. Um, Thank you very much for everybody for tuning in. And we look forward to uh, talking to you next Monday night at 7 on uh, July 7th down the garden path here on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Pop with your host Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing right here on Reality Radio 101.